Welcome to That and a Dollar, the podcast that wonders if you can really ever go home. I'm a guy named Chuck, and what I like to do is pick a topic and dive in with some fun pop culture examples. My hope is to share my thoughts and provide some insight into some of my favorite franchises out there. I hope to give you some movies or shows you may have not seen before, or at least remind you of those forgotten gems. I like sharing things I like, maybe shed a little light on why I like it so much. I always love to hear people talk about things that they like, even if they're not my favorites. If I watch a movie and I do not like it, I always try to get back and rewatch it down the road, just in case the movie was good and it was me and where I was. With respect to shows, I like to give a minimum of three episodes before I decide to continue. I am on Twitter. You can find me at at that and a dollar. Feel free to check that out. If you'd like to keep this one-man operation flying, please feel free to leave a tip at buymeacoffee.com slash that and a dollar or you can check out our store at cafepress.com slash that and a dollar podcast Black Widow is a classic going home movie you don't know everything about me I've lived a lot of lives before I was an Avenger before I got this family so this is the one that inspires the list. I've noticed Marvel seems to be making these sort of extra genre movies as they make superhero movies. Uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, you may remember from my conspiracy conspiracy theory episode. It is a classic conspiracy theory movie, as are all the Captain America movies thus far. Then I noticed what we get with Black Widow is a classic family reunion or going home movie. The film seamlessly blends action, espionage, and family dynamics, offering a deeper understanding of Natasha's character beyond her su superhero persona. The dynamic between family members adds layers to the narrative with humor, heartfelt moments interspersed with intense action sequences. The sibling-like rivalry and camaraderie between Natasha and Yelena provide a refreshing, authentic portrayal of sisterhood within the superhero subgenre. Black Widow follows Natasha Romanoff's journey after the events of Captain America Civil War. On the run, due to her violation of the Sokovia Accords, Natasha discovers that the Red Room, the secretive organization responsible for her training as a lethal assassin, is still operational. This, is, this revelation prompts her to confront her past and dismantle the Red Room's operations. We begin with a glimpse into Natasha's childhood in Ohio where she lived with a seemingly normal family. However, it's revealed that this family is a cover for Russian sleeper agents. Natasha, along with her sister, Yelena Belova, is uh, separated from her parents, Alexei Shustakov and Melina Vustakov, <clears throat> and indoctrinated into the Red Room. Years later, Natasha, now a fugitive, reunites with Yelena, who has become a formidable, formidable operative herself. Together, they embark on a mission to locate and eliminate Drakov, the head of the Red Room, who has been exploiting young women and subjecting them to mind control. Along the way, they encounter their father, Alexei, once the Soviet superhero Red Guardian, and Mother Melina, a scientist involved in the creation of the mind control technology. The film takes these characters across various locations from urban landscapes to the Red Room facility hidden within a giant airborne structure. The action sequences are intense, well choreographed, showcasing Natasha and Yelena's combat skills and resourcefulness. Natasha and Yelena challenge the Red Room's dehumanizing practices, emphasizing the importance of agency and self-determination. The movie addresses the consequences of manipulation, portraying the characters' resilience in overcoming their past traumas. We have a wonderful cast here. The evil Drakoff is played by the talented Ray Winstone, who you know from The Departed as Mr. French, as well as uh, Sexy Beast and Beowulf. He delivers a deliciously evil performance here that just creeps you out. 
The scientist responsible for the mind control drug that makes the Red Room possible is Mom, Melina, played by Rachel Wise. You know her from such films as Chain Reaction with Keanu Reeves, as well as The Mummy and Enemy at the Gates. That's the film about the sniper battle of World War II. And if you've not seen Enemy at the Gates, you should. It is it is meticulously paced as any good sniper battle should be. The Red Guardian himself is played by the talented David Harbour, who you uh, know as Hopper from uh, Stranger Things, as well as several episodes of Newsroom and Hellboy. He also has uh, two Law & Order credits, as well as a Criminal Intent credit as well. I'm always going to mention those. Florence Pugh nails the little sister Yelena in this one. It is the sibling rivalry between her and Scarlett Johansson that really sells the entire family and coming home vibe of the film. You'll also know her from Midsummer and the Hawkeye series, as well as Little Women. Our title character, Black Widow, is played by the wonderful Scarlett Johansson. Of course, she nails this like she has since Iron Man 2. The way she plays off little sister Yelena and her slight contempt for her pretend father, Alexi, is just played to perfection here. You know Johansson from Ghost World, Lost in Translation, as well as The Island. If you want to see this one, head over to Disney Plus and watch this action-filled family reunion movie. Gross Point Blank. Dear Points High alumni, can you believe it's been 10 years since you left Gross Point? Don't tease me, you know what I do for a living. I just honestly don't know what I have in common with those people anymore. And what am I going to say? Killed the president of Paraguay with a fork. It's a fun story about a high school reunion. I guess I should go to one of those eventually. This has an excellent cast, as we tend to get with these going-home movies, a nice bit of character exploration and self-discovery, too. Gross Point Blank is a dark comedy film that was released in 1997, starring John Cusack as Martin Blank. Let me just list a couple here. High Fidelity, Better Off Dead, One Crazy Summer, Eight Men Out. Um, the list goes on and on for John Cusack. The story is a unique blend of comedy, romance, and action with quirky with a quirky premise. Martin Blank is a professional hitman, a hitman experiencing an existential crisis with the aid of his reluctant therapist, Alan Arkin, who is just dead on in this role. You know Arkin from such wonderful films as Indian Summer, which is a great film I love, Argo, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Spurred on by his assistant, Joan Cusack from In-N-Out, School of Rock, and Arlington Road, Blank reluctantly uh, attends high school uh, reunion and Gross Point, Michigan, while simultaneously juggling a professional contract and rekindling a romance with his high school sweetheart, Debbie Newberry, played by Minnie Driver from Goodwill Hunting, The Riches, and Hard Rain. Upon returning to his hometown, Martin's presence creates a mix of reactions from his former classmates. Some are excited to see him, while others are resentful given his mysterious reputation. One of his good friends is played by Jeremy Piven, who I love hating. You know him from Entourage, PCU, and the series Wisdom of the Crowd. Now, he is a real estate broker desperately trying to make it work. Michael Cudlitz, who we have seen in The Walking Dead, as well as Southland, and the short-lived Clarice, makes an appearance as a car salesman who has clearly had too much to of everything, let's just say. Martin tries to navigate the awkwardness of the reunion while simultaneously dealing with the rival hitmen, including the persistent Mr. Grocer. Dan Aykroyd of the Blues Brothers, Ghostbusters, and Nothing But Trouble, who is both a competitor and former colleague of Blank's. We also get two government agents trying to take down Martin as well, one played by K. Todd Freeman, who you may remember as Mr. Trick from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The other is played by the wonderful Hank Azaria from Mad About You, The Simpsons, and the wonderful Herman's Head. 
Amidst the chaos of his personal and professional life, Martin reconnects with Debbie, the girl he left behind when he abruptly abandoned Gross Point years ago. Their rekindled romance forms a central emotional arc in the story. Debbie, now a radio host, is understandably confused and conflicted about Martin's sudden reappearance and dangerous world he inhabits. As the reunion unfolds, Martin faces increasingly dangerous situations, including an explosive confrontation with Grocer. The film skillfully balances moments of humor, tension, and self-discovery, all set against the backdrop of 1980s nostalgia, complete with a memorable soundtrack. The narrative takes an unexpected turn as Martin grapples with the consequences of his violent profession and his desire for a normal life with Debbie. The film explores themes of redemption, identity, and the possibility of change. Martin's character arc is both comical and poignant as he confronts the absurdity of his own existence and attempts to forge a new path. If you want to see this wonderfully heartfelt film about a hitman coming to terms with who he really is, you'll need to purchase it from Amazon, Voodoo, you know, all the other suspects. This is Where I Leave You is a 2014 film directed by Sean Levy, who also directed Date Night and The Atom Project. Hello. I imagine by now you are well into the excessive facial hair phase of your depression. It's not a good time, Wendy. Dad's dead. What? The movie features an ensemble cast. Let's start there. Jason Bateman plays Judd Altman, um, who just discovered his wife has been cheating on him with his boss, Dax Shepard, who you know from the TV show Parenthood, as well as Hit and Run and Idiocracy. Uh, Judd, while in the throes of dealing with cheating, dealing with his cheating wife, learns of his father's death. Now, you know, Bateman from his podcast, Smartless, if you don't check that out, it's incredibly wonderful to listen to as well as game night, the show, uh, rested development and the Hogan family from back in the eighties. Tina Fey plays the sister, Wendy Altman, who seems to have it all together. You know, her from Saturday night live, as well as mean girls, 30 rock and also date night. Um, Adam Driver is the youngest brother, Philip Altman, who is the family screw-up, so much that he is dating his therapist, who's played by Connie Britton, who you know from 911, American Horror Story, and the show Friday Night Lights. Uh, Philip seems to bring chaos with him everywhere he goes. Now you know Adam Driver from the Star Wars sequel trilogies, The Dead Don't Die, and Black Klansmen. The eldest brother, Paul Altman, played by Corey Stoll, who you know from The Strain, as well as House of Cards and Ant-Man. Uh, he seems to be the one who knows what is best. His wife, played by Catherine Hahn, who you know from Bad Moms, WandaVision, and Glass Onion, um, they're trying desperately to have a baby during all this that's going on. And that plays for some great laughs. Jane Fonda is the matriarch of the family who has written a book about her children. So the world knows the most intimate details of their childhoods which is played for a few laughs early on in the film. You'll know Jane Fonda from China Syndrome, uh, Barbarella, and Coming Home. Love interest to Judd Altman, Penny Moore, played wonderfully by Rose Byrne, who you know from X-Men First Class, Insidious, and the show Damages. A great show. You should really check it out. Um, adds a little complication to Judd's otherwise normal life. Now, Judd's life takes a nosedive when he catches his wife, wife Quinn, cheating on him uh, with his radio shock jock boss, Wade Beaufort. Uh, simultaneously, he receives the news of his father's passing. Faced with these dual blows, Judd returns to his childhood home, where his mother, Hillary Altman, informs him and his three siblings that their father's dying wish was for them to sit Shiva for a week. As the Altman family comes together under one roof to observe the Jewish mourning tradition, old wounds are reopened and long-buried family secrets are exposed. The interactions between the siblings are marked by a mix of humor, tension, and emotional confrontation. 
Uh, Wendy, the only sister, is grappling with her own relationship challenges, torn between her loyalty to her husband, Barry, and her lingering feelings for her high school sweetheart, Hori, played wonderfully by Timothy Oliphant, who you know from Justified, Deadwood, and I think the first time I saw him was in a movie called Go, which was just phenomenal. Paul, the responsible, frustrated older brother, is struggling with infertility issues in his marriage to Alice. Um, Philip, the youngest and most carefree of the siblings, introduces a new dynamic by bringing his older girlfriend and therapist, Tracy, to the family gathering, much to the chagrin of his more conservative siblings. Throughout the week of Shiva, the Altman family undergoes a cathartic journey of self-discovery, healing, and reconciliation. The characters confront their past mistakes, face present challenges, and contemplate their future paths. As the family members navigate their individual crises, the film seamlessly blends humor, heart, and showcasing the complexities of familial relationships. Despite the dysfunctional nature of the Altman family, the film emphasizes the importance of connection and support in times of adversity. Each sibling, in their own way, grapples with the personal demons and insecurities, but through the shared experience of mourning and reflection, they find common ground and rediscover the bonds that tie them together. This is one, this one is definitely worth the watch. If you come from a big family, this hits all the notes of going home for just about any family function. If you want to see it, check it out over at Netflix, or you can purchase it from Vudu, Amazon, and all the others. 1969 is a wonderful movie. It was 1969, and there was one question on everybody's mind. What's going on? The cast here is top-notch, and all deliver great performances. The story is heartfelt and poignant, Um, well-written, even better performed. This feels more like a stage production than a movie. Uh, 1969 is a drama film released in 1988, directed by Ernest Thompson, who also wrote on Golden Pond. I really liked that one and featuring an ensemble cast with notable performance by Kiefer Sutherland, who you know from Young Guns, uh, Flatliners, and The Cowboy Way, and Robert Downey Jr. from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as well as Back to School, Weird Science, and Sherlock Holmes. The movie unfolds against the tumultuous backdrop of the year 1969, a year marked by social upheaval, political activism, and the Vietnam War. The story centers around the lives of two friends, Scott and Ralph, who hail from contrasting backgrounds, but share a close bond. Set in a small American town, the film delves into the complex dynamics between characters as they navigate the challenges presented by a society in the throes of change. The film begins with Scott waxing poetically about what freedom is as the two hitchhike home for Easter. Now, Scott claims freedom to be the open road with your thumb out, implying the limitless possibilities of what could happen. This lets us know that the movie could really go anywhere. It was the late 80s, and there had been several Vietnam War films and much commentary on the late 60s in both film and television with shows like China Beach, Tour of Duty, and The Wonder Years. It takes the boys most of Easter weekend to travel the 100 miles home from college, but they arrive at the open-air Easter service for the local church in the small town. Here we meet Scott's family. His father, played by Bruce Dern, Uh, from The Burbs, Silent Running, and The Hateful Eight, and his mother, played by Joanna Cassidy, from Six Feet Under, uh, The Package, and The Buffalo Bill Show with Dabney Coleman. I love that show. We also meet Ralph's family as well. His mom, played by Marriott Hartman, uh, Goodnight Beantown, Encino Man, and 911. Um, I love that show. If you're not watching it, check it out. 
911 uh, is a great show. And his sister, played by a young Winona Ryder, who you know from Stranger Things, Bram Stoker's Dracula, Edward Scissorhands, just to mention a few. We also meet Scott's brother, a Marine, who gives Scott his car. Um, we get a scene with a protest rally at the college. The boys are giving a tour to their mom, uh, moms and Ralph's little sister. The protest devolves into them taking the building in front of which they are protesting. Our characters get caught up in this mess. One protester is beaten by police on top of Beth, Ralph's little sister. This has an impact on her, which we'll see uh, when she delivers her speech at graduation later in the film. Summer is upon us, and we get the boys now driving home in the car, picking up hitchhikers, talking about what freedom is. Uh, we get one funny scene with a guy sitting on the side of the road. They stop to pick him up. He gets in the car. Uh, Kiefer Sutherland's character says, where are you going? He replies, I wasn't going nowhere, but I guess you could drop me at my sister's. Uh, they drive off like a bat out of hell. In our next scene, the entire car is full. We hear um, on the radio that troops from Vietnam will be coming home soon, which prompts the man in uniform to ask, why are they sending me over there then? Uh, the two finally make it to Beth's graduation to hear her speech. This is primarily about the impact of the war and specifically the protests she witnessed. We're also given a scene where Ralph takes too much LSD and has a moment where he freaks out over flunking out of college and therefore now is able to be drafted to Vietnam. It's a very crazy scene and shows uh, some of the adults just are not sure what to do or how to handle any of this. Uh, we get another jump cut to Scott once again explaining what freedom is as he paints him and Ralph as leaves on a van he traded the car for. The idea is to keep driving around and experiencing life while they can before Ralph gets drafted and Scott ultimately has to grow up. We learn Scott's brother is missing in action, and this leads to a confrontation with Scott's father, ultimately kicking off our ending of our movie. Now, I'm going to stop there because I don't want to give too much away at the end. Uh, I will say the soundtrack on this one is some of the best 60s music I've ever heard. This was probably my first exposure to such great songs like Wooden Ships by Crosby, Stills, and Nash, Tuesday Afternoon by the Moody Blues, one of my all-time favorite songs, Can't Find My Way Home by Blind Faith. Uh, the music is great. The performances are wonderful. This movie is, to use a phrase from the late 60s, a great trip. If it's one you want to take, if it's a trip you want to take, you're going to need to already have this in your collection like I do. I had to pull out an old VCR just to watch it. Um, I can't wait till everything's online. I actually can't believe I still have a VCR laying around. Elizabethtown is a 2005 romantic comedy drama film. I understand you have to let me go. Uh, you're about to lose this company. $972 million. I cry a lot lately. Drew, I have some really bad news. Dad died. I'll be back in two days. Just get Dad home. The two sides of this family have never integrated well, so don't expect to make a lot of friends when you go back. Drew doesn't make friends, Mom. Directed by Cameron Crowe, uh, who you know from the hit Gen X 90s film Singles, Jerry Maguire, and of course, the wonderful musical extravaganza, Almost Famous. The movie follows the story of Drew Baylor, played by Orlando Bloom, who you'll remember from Lord of the Rings and Pirates of the Caribbean franchises, um, as a young, talented uh, shoe designer whose professional life takes a tragic turn when his latest creation, the Spasmodica shoe, becomes a monumental failure and costs his company nearly a billion dollars. Coupled with his professional crisis, Drew faces personal turmoil as his girlfriend breaks up with him. Feeling utterly defeated, Drew contemplates suicide, but is interrupted by a call informing him of his father's death. This one starts off heavy. 
forced to return to a small hometown of Elizabethtown, Kentucky, to make arrangements for his father's memorial service, Drew encounters a quirky and warm-hearted flight attendant named Claire Colburn. Now, that would be Kirsten Dunst, who you know from Interview with a Vampire, the original Tobey Maguire Spider-Man trilogy, and a season of Fargo. Probably my favorite season. I think that's going to be season two, I believe. Um, On his way back. So Claire's enthusiastic and uplifting personality brings some light into Drew's life, helping him navigate this challenging time. Upon arriving in Elizabethtown, Drew is surrounded by his large, eccentric, and loving family with all his extended relatives. The town and its inhabitants, uh, filled with Southern charm and unique characters, gradually start to heal Drew's broken spirit. During his stay, Drew reflects on his life, his father's legacy, and his future. He discovers a deeper connection with his family, his roots, and the significance of the memories they have shared. Claire, too, uh, plays a pivotal role in helping Drew to find new perspective, encouraging him to explore and appreciate the beauty in life. Throughout the film, the audience witnesses Drew's emotional journey from despair and hopelessness to rediscovering joy and passion as he connects with the people of Elizabethtown. He gains a new sense of purpose and understanding about what truly matters in life. Elizabethtown is a tale about finding solace and strength in unexpected places, cherishing the essence of family, embracing one's mistakes and vulnerabilities, and ultimately finding the courage to start anew. It beautifully captures the bittersweet journey of grief, self-discovery, and the importance of human connections and healing. Orlando Bloom's portrayal of Drew captures the character's emotional complexity, while Kirsten Dunst's Claire brings warmth and optimism to the narrative. Supporting cast includes Susan Sarandon from Dead Men Walking, White Palace, Rocky Horror Picture Show, adds depth and heart to the story, contributing to the film's emotional resonance. Alec Baldwin portrays the owner and CEO of the shoe company who bet heavy on the failed shoe, Blink, and You May Miss Him. Uh, you know Alec Baldwin from uh, The Departed, Glengarry, Glenn Ross, Hunt for Red October. Always love seeing Bruce McGill on screen. He plays a friend of the deceased father and a bit of a salesman. Really small part, but a good impact. You'll remember him from Animal House, Time Cop, and the finale of Quantum Leap. Paul Schneider steals the show from me. You know him from Parks and Recreation, as well as uh, The Newsroom and an episode of Law & Order. Like I said, always going to mention it. Always got to mention that. Um, He plays a cousin of Orlando Bloom's character. We learn he was once in a band. Hang in there because this is the part I absolutely love. His band opened for Leonard Skinner, played at a festival with Leonard Skinner, or so the poster shows with the fine print at the very bottom of the poster. Uh, We learn the band will reunite for one song only at the memorial. The musician in me loved this scene. Um, and really this scene is worth the price of admission. I mean, I was already paying for the streaming service, but still recommended to me by my uncle, also a musician. This was the scene he told me about vastly different from the rest of the film and yet fits perfectly into this wonderful journey of self-discovery. If you want to see this, you can stream it at max FUBU or direct TV with a subscription. So there it is. My list of going home movies. Did I miss yours? Let me know on social media with the hashtag that in a dollar podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at, at that in a dollar. We are also on Instagram at a underscore guy underscore named underscore Chuck. Also, don't forget to join our Facebook group, That in a Dollar Podcast. If you want to support further episodes, please leave a tip at buymeacoffee.com slash that in a dollar or check out our store at cafepress.com slash that in a dollar podcast. As always, I'm a guy named Chuck and that in a dollar will get you a cup of coffee.